me if my brother-in-law didn't own this paper. I'd never gotten out of prison. Nah, I'm stuck, baby. I'm stuck. I'm sorry to hear it, Angel. Yeah, well, I probably had it coming. I did that bank job. Yeah? When we were in prison, you must have told me a hundred times you were innocent. Well, that wasn't. Skouser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first run, Matt and I return to Pandora after 13 long years. And we're going to check in on what's the haps? Is unobtainium, Matt, still the hottest thing around? Or is it more kind of like the crypto of super space minerals? Has Cameron corrected the issues from the first entry and tightened things up a bit? Then it's Luca Guadino's Bones and All, the romance road trip body horror film you never knew you needed. If you fall into a very specific audience type. There's a review of the big releases on physical media. Featuring your streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. And then in honor of the Navi's return. Matt and I are going to share our five favorite James Cameron scenes. Which I can only assume is going to be just wall-to-wall Avatar picks. <laughs> Matt, let's start everything off with a clip from Avatar. The Way of Water. Why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe. Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up for us, boy! If you want to live here, you have to ride. Let's do it. Just breathe. Breathe. Matt, it's wall-to-wall spectacle in the Avatar part dues. We are back here in Pandora. It has been a very long time. In a sequel, I think, I I don't know if I'm getting above, above, ahead of my skis here, Matt. I don't know if there was a real push, or as you like to say, juice, for this <laughs> series to return. Mm-hmm. But it's here. What are your thoughts, Matt? Did we kind of fix our stuff? All right, let me focus. Let me hold on. Let me just reset. I think Cameron Matt is still on his environmental kick. Mm-hmm. This time we're focusing on whales. So after you explain what this movie's about, I want to ask you, did Star Trek Ford do a better job with an environmental message film than uh, Cameron pulls out this time? <laughs> Um, what's okay. This, what's going on in this movie? Sure. Um, all right. So it takes up right after the last one left off. The humans have uh, pretty much left Pandora. Um, Jake and Natiri have several years of peace um, where they have, I think, four children. Um, and then the humans come back and they create another city and basically... Um, they start going after the wealth of Pandora and Jake Sully decides to lead a guerrilla warfare uh, hit and run against the the humans and they send out some soldiers and avatars after him. And because of that, he decides that he is going to 
leave the forest tribes and head towards the reef tribes on the ocean and see if he can hide amongst them to keep his family safe. That sounds pretty concise, Matt. I think much more, I think, concise than Cameron is in this film. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to start by saying, Matt, I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate it. Yeah. So, okay. I think the film was entirely immersive. Mm -hmm. I think the man knows how to construct worlds. I watched this in the Dolby 3D. Mm -hmm. I went all in. Mm -hmm. And it is a visual marvel. I mean, technically, it is an immersive, breathtaking film. Some of the best, if not the best, underwater scenes I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I may say this is possibly one of the best animated movies I've seen in my life as well. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I think this is, what, 90%? Sure. Like, animation? Right. I should say CGI, I guess, right, is probably what I should say. That'd be a more proper term. This time, we are harvesting unageism instead of unobtainium. But he doesn't call it unageism. Let's just put it that no, way. No, he doesn't. <laughs> what is he, is he calls it something else. That's, like a bee tree or something like that. Yeah, which I guess is fine. Yeah. Which he, they harvest from what, like the brain fluid sure. of these not whales. Right, right. So, Matt, answer that question. Is this a better environmental message film about whales than star trek 4 because I'm, I'm not sure it is and uh, i think it cost uh, about 100 times more yeah i'm not sure it is either although that's a very specific uh, um subgenre i mean where it's this What's and me? and uh, star trek 4 um i will also say as much of a fan of the first one that i am not i am on record of being very against the first Avatar. Um, I think this is better. I didn't. I didn't sure. hate it. Um, I still think um, it has a lot of the same issues. Um, it's the storytelling is a little bit more mature, but it is way too long. He doesn't kind of pull back on a lot of his impulses. That he, it's like more is more with him. And um, you know, I think we all know going into this that this thing was going to be a technical marvel, and it certainly is. It is absolutely seamless in most places. I think I saw one time where I, I they took me out of it, but otherwise, it's got some really cool designs. It's got great um, VFX that are absolutely seamless, but it's just it's just okay. Yeah, it's entirely too long. It's a little ham-fisted and it's emotional beats. The, mm -hmm. the pathos in the film is just, uh, right? But like you say, technically, it's incredible. And it makes me think about the um, the uh, Henry Ford, not the Nazi stuff, but the factory <laughs> turnout stuff, yeah. right, that the MCU does now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's embarrassing, mm -hmm. I think, for those kind of films. And I'll throw in the DC stuff too. Why not? Yeah. But any kind of these mass market special effects driven films should look at this and be ashamed of themselves. I mean, it is, it's beautiful. And I'm watching this in the, in the Dolby 3d mat. And it's incredible. It's an incredible visual experience. It really is. Mm -hmm. But as a narrative tale, it's, we need some editing. He's, he's too focused on creating these worlds in this spectacle, which he blows out of the park. I want to be perfectly clear about this. It does. He does, but he's not focusing enough on tightening up the script I think it's better than the Avatar script as mm -hmm. well, but not by a lot. Yeah. And perhaps, perhaps making some cuts. Mm. Yeah, I agree. We probably could have gone without the, you know, multiple five minute long shots of them just frolicking in the sea and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it looks great, Jim, but, uh, you know, how many times do I need to see glowing sea anemones and, you know, in the water and stuff like that? So, um, 
Yeah, I, I will say this also. I agree this like blows Marvel movies and Star Wars films out of the water. But at the yeah. same time, he's also been working on this for 13 years. So I would hope <laughs> that it looks freaking fantastic. Um, you give anybody a decade plus, they're going to turn out something pretty spectacular. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good point. I guess it cost him about three fifty up to four sixty to make. That's okay. a hell of a birth. Yeah, between three fifty and four sixty million dollars, yeah. and it hasn't made that back yet. Now, Chris, I know you're saying, Chris, it's only been what a week, not even. It's yeah. been what like three days. So I guess they said it needs to make like two billion to be considered a success. That's crazy. That's crazy. And they still have the other ones in the pocket. I. I it makes me wonder, would have we been better off if... Because we complain about not having original content, right? Which I get. But would I rather have seen like a $350 million Terminator movie helmed by James, <laughs> James Cameron? Cameron? And his his version of Alien 3 that cost $350 million? I think, yeah. I think I'd be on board with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it was three hours long. Yeah. I, I and mean... had a, a scene in a hotel room... That lasted for 45 minutes instead of the <laughs> god-awful 15 or 10 minutes that it did in the first Terminator. But still, I don't... Mm. I don't and there are a couple of things that issues, too. There's some like I feel like there's almost like some stunt casting. Maybe it's because they're just some of the only few real people we see. But Edie Falco, as with the general, I'm sorry. That just didn't, it didn't work for me at all. Okay. And not because, uh, you know, a lady can't be a general. Right. It wasn't that. It was more just... She didn't have the presence. She is so outshone by Stephen Lang, which is the point. I know he's supposed to be this larger-than-life kind of bad guy, but still, it was almost laughable when she started to deliver some of her lines. And then, the, and then the humor brought in by Jermaine Clement as well was just it was it bothered me because I'm such a big fan of his. And I also like how everybody on the ship that he's on has either like an Australian or a New Zealand accent, but he is putting on a, an, a, an American accent. Not well, by the way, <laughs> just a lot of weird, odd choices, but again, beautiful, really a spectacle. And I'm not going to say it when people say, you know, yeah, you get this is going to do some of the biggest, lot of screen possible type of a thing. But that Dolby 3D experience, Matt. How'd you end up checking it out? So I have glasses and I don't have any contacts right now. So I have a real problem watching 3D films. So I had to go watch it in the regular theater. And it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. The same thing I'm telling you, time. Matt. We're sitting on a multi-billion dollar, at least a multi-million dollar idea. What's that? We got we to gotta do it. Clips. Oh, yeah. For the 3D glasses. Mm -hmm. For glasses. There you go. Um, but I will say this, Chris. We are definitely getting an Avatar 3 because they filmed it back oh, yeah. to back. They're in VFX right now. It's filmed. It's in the can. Yeah. So, And they're shooting 4 and 5 right now from what I understand. Are they? That's crazy to me. And I, I think it's just... I, I, part of what I, understand, from what I understand is Hollywood is like, okay, Jimmy, we're going to throw you all this money. They're not so much concerned with how the films perform. Just the technological improvements that he comes up with that then they can relay or parlay into other films as well down the road. It makes it worth the investment. Gotcha. And I'm sure Sam Worthington was delighted <laughs> that they just started to make more of these movies. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sam, but, uh, you know, him and Jake Courtney were running neck and neck <laughs> with me for a long time. That Clash of the Titans remake was... Uh, Not good. No bueno, as they say in Germany. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, not a fan. Matt... Oh, I even have a clip for that too. I, I didn't have it ready for you. That is 
that's too i'm embarrassed you know i've been so clip heavy we'll take it easy right, right i'm not gonna go all crazy sounds fair so matt i don't know i mean there really it's not much to say because it's all just a visual spectacle that's what you're here for for yeah. this unfortunately i will say the ending which ran about what half hour 40 minutes the big climactic fight scene mm-hmm. is good but undercut by the fact that there is some stakes to it but nothing's really resolved because we have to set up the next three movies yeah so do you think um we're gonna get like the the desert navi in like four and then like the the tundra navi in, in yeah, five the sky sky navi yeah the ones that live on something. the moon i have no idea i would assume so I, i'm listen as i said the man knows how to build a world so i am always interested to see what he comes up with next with this stuff mm-hmm I guess I will be in line at the theater. Well, no, really, nobody just waits in line anymore, right? No, nobody. But yeah, I, I'm still going to go just to see visually what he comes up with next. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be incredible. Maybe we'll now, I know I think this, the capacity exists, but maybe he'll demand some type of 5, 4, whatever it is, 5D, 4D experience where you're going to be immersed in water <laughs> during the water scenes or something, right? At least get splashed. Your chairs were rocking back and forth. They have a D box, I think they call it. In some mm, theaters, right? Interesting. Where you have, there's yeah. more sensory. So it'll impacts. be like the Avatar ride at Disney World, where you get on the the banshee and you can feel it breathing between your legs and yeah, all that kind of stuff. It sprays water on your face as you go across the ocean. Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be exclusively screened at the <laughs> Avatar ride, and you'll you will. That's how immersive it will be. There you go. I'd pay twenty bucks for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, twenty bucks would be a bargain to to do that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm giving Avatar the way of water. I keep wanting to call it the shape of water, mm-hmm. but I know that is not correct. I'm giving it a B minus. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a C plus. I think it's uh, it's good. It's better, better. Yeah, I was. Very, I I have to say, I was pretty excited. And I walked out of the theater. And I'm like, I didn't hate this. Mm. I didn't hate it. Yeah, that's you know what? That's sometimes it's all you can ask for. That's it. And yeah, listen, you need something to watch this uh, upcoming holiday season with the family. You can rent Bones and All, which we'll talk about soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd recommend that. But I think you can't really go wrong with, you know, Avatar The Way of Water. And you know what I'm very proud about myself? What's that? I made it all the way through without having to, having to go pee. Really? No no drinking? Plus? No drinking for you? I had a I had a seltzer, but I paced myself. Mm. Did they have a special Avatar drink? I think they did. That the bar wasn't open. Oh, because you went too early. Yeah, and that's my problem. A few times I've gone. We haven't done the drink report because they've had drinks for the films, but I haven't been like, oh, because every I've been going like on a Sunday early or on Monday, and the bar's closed every time I go, so I can't get them. Speaking of drinks, I should have had one for Bones and all. Dear Lord, <clears throat> we'll talk about that in a little bit. Matt, let's. Uh, oh, feedback at firstrun.com. What are your thoughts on Avatar: The Way of Water? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Physical media. December 27th, post-Christmas, if you do celebrate. Matt, I got one thing to say. I know we talked about it for a while, but it I think it I think it it, it, it actually kind of it, it it finally happened. Evil dies tonight. Halloween ends hits physical media. It's been 4 years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Hello. 
I was certain that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you gonna do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. But this time, something feels different. He's more dangerous. He's a, he's a lot more dangerous because I think he's now on his uh, Metamucil. Uh, is that what it is? It's fiber was holding him back. Yeah, and yeah. so he's all cleared out. He's ready to go. <laughs> he's um, written a place in the villages, and he's uh, all excited to come back and do some stabbing. Matt, Halloween ends, getting its physical media release this upcoming Tuesday, December twenty seventh. Walmart has like a unique slip case art thing. Best Buy has a steel book, and there's also going to be a trilogy of all four films in 4K if you haven't bought any of the ones previously. Some six deleted and extended scenes, making up featurettes, commentary with David Gordon Green, some of the actors, and uh, it's fine. Again, it's fine. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say it is. I've, I've actually, now that I look back, this whole trilogy, I think, is was pretty successful for me. I liked Halloween Kills a lot just by the sheer brutality and violence of it. And this one, a lot of people are upset because, you know, our, our boy Corey takes main stage, basically, for, what, two-thirds of the film? But I, knew, I thought it was an interesting idea, and I was okay with it. Poorly executed, though. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I did not enjoy this, this, this last entry very much. Fair. Terrifier 2, Matt, is being released in Blu-ray and 4K. Now, I saw the short from All Hallows Eve, which introduced the character. I've not seen Terrifier, the first one. Neither. But this one is like the little horror movie that could. They made pretty cheap, and when it released in the theaters, and it just kept doing well every week. Pulled in like another mill. So now it's getting released in 4K and Blu-ray. I hear it's pretty good, but it's also long. It's like two and a half hours long for really? a kind of yeah, supernatural-esque, kind of what, slasher film? Yeah. But supposedly it's pretty good. Maybe we'll work it in at some point, maybe around Valentine's Day. Uh, Best Buy has a 4K set. Walmart has a steel book. Amazon has something special. I couldn't decide what. Uh, I couldn't decide. It wasn't, it wasn't up to me. I couldn't figure out what it was. And it includes behind the scenes of the film, extended Boo Crew interview, a director's commentary, and more. Oh, I think Amazon has like fan art as a cover. I don't know. I, I might be wrong about that. Who cares? The movie Lamborghini Matt is being released. It features Frank Grillo, Gabriel Byrne, and Mira Servino. The life story of Federico Lamborghini. <laughs> The founder of Lamborghinis, Gorlami. Gorlami. The girl and the spider, Lisa, is moving out. Mara is left behind. As boxes are shifted, Matt, and cupboards built, abscesses begin to open up, and an emotional roller coaster is set in motion. A tragic comic catastrophe film, a poetic ballad about change and transience. That sounds right up your alley. New to Blu-ray, Matt Kinolor was putting out Twilight, featuring Susan Sarandon, Gene Hackman, and... One of the goats, actually, they're all kind of goats. Paul Newman, where he plays Harry Ross, a burned-out private eye who's plunged into a murder mystery tied to a long unsolved case of Hollywood dreams, schemes, and cover-ups. I pre-ordered this because I remember seeing it years ago and really liking it. Plus, it's Newman and Hackman and Sarandon. It was like eleven bucks on Blu-ray. I'm like, oh, we'll take a spin. Here's the one I just love the title. I'm gonna read the description Matt to you and then tell you the character's name and you tell me if you think that that fits in the mid 1980s in the most crime ridden city of Australia Australia good <laughs> only one man keeps the scales of justice even cowboy detective lieutenant mm, after his partner is killed in a blazing shootout mm, 
goes on an explosive and blood-soaked mission to avenge his death. His quest for vengeance unintentionally makes him the enemy of a mysterious new crime boss who's been quietly taking over Brisbane City. When their paths finally cross, Matt, one thing is made clear. This town isn't big enough for the both of them. The movie is called Lieutenant Jangles. <laughs> Interesting. Awesome. Okay. Lieutenant Jangles. Severin is putting out Mardi Gras Massacre. They were supposed to come out in April and they got pushed out. Police try to capture someone who's committing ritual murders of women during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. As opposed to the famous Mardi Gras in, you know, Indiana. 2K Restoration on that one, Matt. Thanks a lot. I Think We're Alone Now is a feature documentary that focuses on two people who are deeply in love, some would say obsessed, with the 80s pop singer Tiffany. Jeff Turner is a 50-year-old man from Santa Cruz, California with Asperger's Syndrome. Oh, good, Chris. Now he's look like an idiot for making fun of somebody. He has very friendly and childlike spirit and can talk to anybody for hours on end, but it finds difficult to maintain relationships, much like Matt, and has never had a girlfriend. Well, Matt's married. He's been attending Tiffany concerts since 1988 and describes her as his best friend, mentor, and protector. Kelly McCormick is a 35-year-old intersex person from Denver, Colorado, who identifies as a lesbian. She loves running, watching action movies, and doing impressions. She's also never been in a romantic relationship, but says that she loves Tiffany down to her bone marrow. Both Jeff and Kelly have been called stalkers back by the media and other Tiffany fans, but this film allows them to share their side of the story. Filmed over the course of six years. Got some Richard Linklater shit going on here. I think we're along now. Takes deep dives into their lives. Shows the power of having something or someone to believe in. What I love too is that Turner and McCormick actually provide commentary tracks on this as well. I hope it's not exploitive. I really do. But you never know. Because I just I have a general distrust of pizza. pizza. That too because I'm vegan and allergic to cheese. But people. I don't like people. Like, I tolerate you because you tolerate me. Elisa, Vanessa Paradis of Knife and Heart Match stars as the alienated and angry Marie living as a small, smart-aleck teenage street hustler. Burned by the rage brought upon her by the suicide of her emotionally fragile mother, Marie's fury inspires her to track down and kill the man who abandoned her and her mother in their first place. Her father, Jacques, played by Gerard Depardieu. There you go. White reindeer, Matt. Suzanne is a successful realtor living in the suburbs of D.C. with her weatherman husband, Jeff. It's on top of the world as she prepares for Christmas, her favorite time of the year. Things take a turn, Matt, however. Oh, this is this may be difficult for you because it's kind of it's a little uh, real-life kind of stuff for you. I hate to bring this up now. I feel bad. Anyway, things take a turn, however, when she comes home one day and finds her husband brutally murdered. Well, you're not dead. In the ensuing days, she tracks down a young stripper named Fantasia. See, this is the connection to you. With whom Jeff had a long-term relationship, and the two begin to bond over their mutual loss. Through her relationship with Fantasia, Suzanne begins to cut loose, joining the stripper on escapades of drugs, clubbing, and shoplifting. Cast and crew commentary, deleted scenes, and more. Matt 4K, speaking of Paul Newman, Nobody's Fool is being released by Kino, featuring also Jessica Tandy, Bruce Willis, and Melanie Griffith. And Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Red Water. Four friends jump into shark-infested waters after arriving at a popular diving site. Stranded and unable to return to their boat, they must devise a plan to survive or become the next meal for the shark that's waiting for its chance to strike. Now, is it shark infested if there's just one shark? I That's a good question. I don't know. Do you need more than one? Maybe if it's like a small, if it's a small body I of guess. water, like it's a pond. Shark. One shark, I would consider mm, that shark infested. Fair enough. Fair enough. What should we be streaming this week? Um, so I caught up with the um, Netflix original or Netflix bought um, 
German version of All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, the Ooh. story of a young man who lies about his age to join up um, and fight in the Great War, World War One, And it's basically about uh, him and his comrades uh, fighting the first of mechanized war and the kind of pointlessness and brutality of it. I have not seen it, nor have I seen the original. I know that was on our list to do at some point. So, but it gets a recommendation out of you, eh? It does, yeah. Interesting. All right. Matt, let's keep rolling then. Spend a few minutes talking about Luca Guadagno's Bones and All. As I said, the romantic road trip horror film you may not have realized you need in your life. You could tell in the store. I smelt you too. I didn't know I could do that. I'm uh, going to Minnesota. I got dumped here by a ride. I just stole dinner. It was all I could think to do. You're not local either, I guess. Why does that matter? That was nice what you did for that mom in there. I'm 18, if you're wondering. I was gonna guess younger. Thanks. I don't usually talk to anyone after. I don't actually meet many others. I'm sort of glad not to. Yeah, I get it. I'm just saying, I'm not an asshole. Should probably go anyway, up close so you can see blood. Or fine. No, really don't think I am. Matt, you remind me a bit of Timothy Chalamet, particularly in this movie. What's all the What's all the aggression tonight? All the passive aggressive, <laughs> constant. No, because you're the you're kind of like the loner guy. You're like ah, you know, yeah, doing true. your own thing. You're mm-hmm. a little brooding, yep. a little mysterious. Very true. I think that's reminded me of you. Not the cannibalism. You're not a weirdo. All right, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I don't want to uh, uh, bury the lead here. So young Marin Yearly, Matt, she's at a sleepover with some friends, and she bites her friend on the finger, like really goes at it, right? Runs home. There's panic. Her dad says, pack a bag. We got to be out of here in like three, four minutes, and they move on to another town. Things happen. Her dad leaves her. What happens is young Marin, Matt, has this weird inner like drive to consume, what's the word for it? People. Yeah, right. And she she now has to fend for herself. And she hooks up with uh, Timothy, Chal- Timothy Chalamet. I think that's how you say it, right? His character, Lee. And they have this kind of whirlwind romance as they go from town to town, occasionally eating people. <laughs> and the whole time, there is a uh, individual who uh, Marin had re- met previously played by Mark Lawrence, whose character's name is Sully, and who is basically kind of stalking her the whole time. Almost it follows E, but without you seeing him at all, yeah, for the most sure. part. So that's what it is. It's these two kids, Matt, trying to make it through life, occasionally eat people, and, um, you know, eventually they maybe run afoul of this or that. Matt, Luca has uh delivered a couple films matt that i have seen recently that i have been i think impressed is almost too too small a word right so my first film i ever saw him do was call me by your name which is a wonderful little film with lots of problematic issues now and weird tie-ins to this movie oddly enough 
But uh, that's also with with uh, your boy Timmy. Yep. And then, of course, I really enjoyed his Suspiria remake much more than I thought I was going to. So, uh, but I haven't seen Beckett yet with David uh, John David Washington, which I think is a, is on Netflix. Well, he didn't direct that. I'm sorry, he was just a producer on that. Forgive me. So, uh, and then his next movie coming up next year is a movie called Challengers. So, uh, but I was really looking forward to this, and it didn't disappoint, Matt. But it was a really weird, unsettling little romantic horror film that we like to say around these parts is deliberately paced. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Bones and All? Did you in, is enjoy the, even the right word for me to say this film is I think as much as I did? Yeah, I think um, I think you can enjoy this. It's beautifully shot. I think it's really well acted for the most part. Mark Rylance is a standout as being incredibly creepy um, as Sully. I, ultimately, I was kind of sucked in by this thing, and mm-hmm. I I came to learn that this is actually an adaption of a of a of a YA a young adult novel, which I have never heard of, um, which seems to be like a really odd yeah. choice to Dark be for stuff for well, yeah yeah novel, yeah, huh? yeah it is because the implication here is that the eaters was what they call themselves. They're almost supernatural in their compulsion, right? To kind of do mm-hmm. this thing. It seems like they're more than human. Yeah, there's not so much to that they want to. They almost need to. Yeah, it's like a, there, right? they have to, right? And honestly, other than the kind of beginning of it and like maybe a one, something that comes up in the middle, it doesn't come up very often. It just kind of, it seems to like, they go about their lives, they go about their their kind of whirlwind romance, their, their you know, two kids falling in love, and then this this need of theirs like intrudes back in when you've got like, you know, Sully or Brad and whatever that other guy's name is, David Gordon Green and his, and his pal um, showing up out of nowhere. The whole thing has this kind of undercurrent of just being unsettling, which I guess is appropriate for a movie about cannibals. I would think so. Yeah, it, it weird, it's weird for me, Matt. It's, it's like if if Terrence Malick had gotten drunk inside of the make a horror film, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of how yeah. I feel this thing looks. It's, it, it is beautifully shot, just like you said. And I think uh, Winlay Ma, who is a film critic out of Australia, had this one line on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, it perfectly, I think, describes the film to me. It says, this film is a different provocative way to consider an all-encompassing, all-consuming love. And that's why I think it's so successful is that Luca's focused more on the love story, and then he interjects it with these moments of graphic, I think, violence and gore and horror. It never felt... Here's a weird thing, all right? Because I feel like this film could have been very formulaic at times. It's a romance movie. It's a road movie. It's got body body horror stuff in it, right? But it never feels forced, any of it. Everything kind of seems to unfold naturally, unsettingly so. And I agree with you. When Michael Stuhlbarg shows up with Gordon Green, Mm -hmm. it's one of the scariest scenes I think I've seen all year. And we're mm-hmm. talking. We've had some great horror films this year too, but it, it is so because it's such a quiet scene, and it's so it's just it's but it's so unsettling. I think that's why it's so effective, and that whole film is like that. It is a quiet, beautifully shot, terrifying movie at times. How he is able to so effortlessly capture the intimacy between our two leads, these two young kids trying to kind of figure their lives out and who they are because of who they are. And the transitions in the romance and then into the horror so smoothly, it's, I don't know. It was a really unforgettable, unsettling experience. Like the desperation, I feel like, the times, too, that she feels here as our lead, Taylor Russell as Marin, 
it's almost palpable, really. She's trying to figure out what she's going to do. And it's, I don't know, it's weird. You're almost rooting for them in a horrific kind of way. It's, and I think a lot of that is just, just how Luca shoots this thing. And let's not gloss over too, man. We get a new Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score and song on this film. So uh, that'll be something I'll be revisiting as well. It makes me too, some film that's been on my list for a long time. I think it was in my, it was on the Criterion channel. Maybe it's on Shudder. But uh, Claire Denis' Trouble Every Day is a similar kind of, a little more of erotic kind of a cannibal film. There's mm-hmm. a love as- story aspect to it too, which I've never seen, but I've always wanted to. This makes me really, I, I was kind of staying away from it because it's just, a, I don't know, it's, it's a weird concept for me. But now watching this, I I, don't, I think I really want to check it out. It's, yeah. And Relance too. Every time, man, he is so, I can't get over how effective he is in this film. I still don't think he should have won Best Supporting Actor for um, Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. I think he's good in it, but I can't, I, I'm blanking on who I wanted to win, but I was shocked that he won. And other stuff I've seen him in, I've been, ah, okay. But again, here, he really cranks it up and is really unsettling in this as well. Yeah, I agree. He certainly is the wandering boogeyman in this horror film. Absolutely. Matt, what do you think about Bones and All as a grade? I, I, I'm sitting at A minus right now. I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure why I'm not giving it an A. Yeah, but that's where I am at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it um, an A minus. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> that's going on the Blu-ray cover. <laughs> Matt, I think it's pretty good. It'll, it'll do the two. I think it's dot dot dot. Pretty good. Yeah, you got to throw the ellipsis in there. <laughs> Uh, Bones and All, Matt, is currently still, I think, still playing in theaters on the occasional uh, screening, like once mm-hmm. a day. But you can rent or it, you buy can it, it yeah. right now uh, yeah. online for, for all your digital platforms. So uh, let us know. Feedback at thefirstrun.com, what you thought about it. Again, Stuhlbarg, man, is so unsettling in this thing. Yeah, yeah, he's creepy. I almost think he's scarier than Relance, even though he, he just pops up for a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's because you get so little of, of Stuhlbarg. That's maybe that's what it is. Good times. Matt, let's go ahead then. Let's close things out and spend a few minutes talking about our five favorite James Cameron scenes. You're going to be shocked, Matt. You're going to be shocked. This did not make the cut for me. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Man, I feel like that phrase is going to catch on at some point. What do you think? You think so? Yeah, you know, just give it a little bit longer. I feel like it's going to really have a new life. Good time. Let's, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Matt, let's share our five favorite James Cameron related scenes. I think I went first last week, so I'll let you lead things off. Okay. What do you got for our loving fans? So my number five is, and interestingly enough, I was looking at this James Cameron hasn't directed a ton of films, but I digress. Um, my number five is The Abyss, um, where you see the pseudopod that comes out, kind of like the precursor technical marvel um, that you know led into the the T one thousand and the liquid metal, and then you know his obsession with water, with his many underwater documentaries, and of course the film that we just talked about. But at the time, it was a groundbreaking piece of 
of uh, CGI imagery, and it's it's something it really is one of the the best parts of the film as far as you know a visual spectacle goes. Have you seen the director's cut with the massive wall of water? Yes, I have. I have not seen the film in any capacity ever. Really, that's surprising. Yeah. I never have. I've always wanted to, and actually, that's not true. I haven't because I would have seen it. I had I had a weird thing where I felt like I don't know I just it didn't really interest me when it first mm-hmm. came out because I was mm-hmm. young and stupid unlike now I'm older and stupid uh, but it's only it hasn't been available right just like True Lies is like unavailable outside of like DVD yeah I don't know I haven't really tried to chase it down anytime soon I read I think recently that there is a 4K of it coming out next year okay. Some camera stuff is going to be uh, being released. I think two of the first Avatar film will be uh, rounded out in 4K next year when this new one hits 4K too. Okay. But for me, Matt, it's one of the other holy grails of Cameron's filmography that is not available in Blu-ray or in 4K. My number five is the absolutely ridiculous over-the-top death of the terrorist disease and true lies with the uh, mm. Harrier rocket launch thing. Yes. So ridiculous. Yeah. But still, uh, a fun little scene. A great movie. I have not watched it in a very long time. But I remember being a huge fan of True Lies. But yeah, that, that scene that when he... <laughs> when he just flips it and then you, just, you see Aziz's face when the rocket fires off. And it's just classic, ridiculous. Out of, out of all the stuff that I have on my list, it's, it's probably the dumbest. But it's also there's a pure joy in it that I have whenever I see it. So it's yeah. my number five. We should have known that that's what was dumb action is what was the next things we were going to get you know from what he decides to do another one right um all right so my my uh, number four is from true lies as well but it's when arnold uh discovers that uh bill paxton's used car salesman is putting the moves on his wife jamie lee curtis and is pretending to be a spy so when he decides to show him teach him a bit of a lesson it is pretty hilarious he the whole the whole scene with taking him out onto the uh you know on the freeway with the uh corvette it's it's a lot of fun yeah absolutely and bill pax i think too is like at one point like jim cameron's muse he like popped him <laughs> in everything i love that guy and he's yeah. great in that it's very funny seeing you're entirely right mm-hmm. my number four matt matt is then is the uh, sinking of the titanic mm. such an incredible moment moment I, what does it run like for like 20 minutes or something half hour but still it is the scale of what he's able to pull off on that is to this day it's fantastic i still think about that scene it's it's just very powerful very sad very tragic and the spectacle of it because it's james cameron mm-hmm. is it's a sight to behold so yeah mm-hmm. the the uh, crash then sinking the titanic's my four all right my number three then is um, the tow truck chase from Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought it was super cool as Arnold, being the machine that he is, is chasing it down, running through, um, you know, the, along the Los Angeles River, and he's like doing like the, he's like tw- he's like twirling a shotgun in his hand to cock it, and then blowing off the, you know, <laughs> blowing off padlocks on gates in one smooth motion. I thought that was the coolest shit when I was a kid. I thought that was so much fun. Yeah, and then the front the truck goes off of the bridge to, yeah. to chase them into the dock, the water yeah. ducks or whatever they're called, the viaducts. Uh, yeah, absolutely uh, incredible. But you're right, though. That is one of the coolest things about it, where he's reloading by twirling it. It's <laughs> yeah. so fun. So uh, my number three, then, is, Matt, is when the Marines get ambushed in Aliens. When the aliens just start coming out of the walls and they, the Marines keep getting just pulled out or blown up or whatever. 
just all chaos reigns at that point. Ripley's in the uh, APC, whatever it is, trying to get them out. And uh, still, just the, the, it's one of the few times I think in the film where it's actually the terror from the first film kind of comes back. Right. Uh, perfectly melded with the action. Lots of shooting, flamethrowers, grenades, stuff blows up. And uh, still, but all the, it was the first time we really see all of the aliens too at once. Instead of having like one in a, in a confined area, we have dozens of them picking everybody off one by one. And it is an absolutely thrilling moment in that film. Yeah, that is a great, great scene. That is really when the movie really kicks into overdrive for me. Marines, we are leaving. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So then my number two is um, the Terminator. They are Reese and, and Sarah Connor have been running away. They this can just staying just ahead of this this uh, killing machine, and they end up at a hotel. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. How dare um, you? <laughs> no, but it's when they're um, the the Terminator. He basically gets into a a semi truck, chases them down. It crashes. That's they're like that's got to be it. He kind of stumbles out on fire, and then he collapses, and then. He pops up as a burning endoskeleton. You see him in his entire metallic glory, and he is still coming. And that's when the thing really just kind of, man, just that kind of scene where you see the kind of robotic uh, Terminator is, is fantastic. That's my number two as well. The The reveal of the uh, endoskeleton. or ex- Is it endoskeleton? Exoskeleton would be outside, right? Yes, exoskeleton would be outside. So yeah, that's when he comes out of the flames is just incredible. And then the chase through, what is it? The factory or whatever the hell it is. Uh, but yeah, no, that reveal when I was like, I think 12 year old Chris is watching that. And he's like, holy shit. That is the coolest <laughs> thing I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's my number two. All right. So then my number one then is, is I think from one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and it's James Cameron's Aliens. And I think... Relatively small, but when Ripley goes chasing after Newt and she's trying to get her way back and she takes a wrong turn and you see that she's in a room full of eggs and then the camera slowly pans up to this massive creature and then the head comes out. Mm. Great. It is just an iconic piece of of, uh, sci-fi cinema. It is really the creature design, just the kind of absolute silence. Nobody's, you know, Ripley doesn't really say anything. It's fantastic. I love too when the uh, they kind of have this taciturn agreement. Give me Newt, and we can go. And then the egg opens behind Ripley, and then Sigourney Weaver's reaction <laughs> that is just so perfect. Doesn't say a word, yeah. but speaks volumes. And then you know it's it's go time at that point, as the kids like to say. Do they say that? Yeah, sure. My number one, Matt, then is the steel mill fight in Terminator Two. Mm. the biggest spectacle i think in that entire film liquid metal the big fight would impersonates uh, sarah connor as well but all that stuff it would ultimately ends with arnold realizing he has to go to the thumbs up in the molten steel whatever the heck it all is to kind of get rid of his his body but that fight scene is just fantastic was it the liquid nitrogen when he gets frozen and shot i mean just so much cool stuff you could tell the Cameron, all this great scenes throughout that entire film, but he's building up to that final fight and it totally pays off. So that's, uh, that's my number one. 
Do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to throw in there, not that it's a film that I revisit very often, but the sinking of the Titanic is the best part of that film. Yeah, yeah. I would also throw in, too, we heard the police station attack, at least at the beginning, right before it happens in the first Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, the final, I'll say it, I think the final action set piece in The Way of Water is very strong. Mm, it is. It's very good. The uh, reveal of the uh, arm in Terminator mm-hmm. 2, mm-hmm. when he shows that he's a cyborg, tears off, he basically degloves himself and shows yeah. the uh, endoskeleton. And then finally, when the xenomorphs breach the uh, compound and aliens. Yeah. When the, the little the detector's going off, like, that's inside the room. We yeah. missed something. We missed, and they look up. It's yeah. such a great little moment. So, uh, yeah, those are a couple more, too. Do you have any that we did not mention? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear what your favorite Cameron scenes are. Matt, next week, what are we doing? Um, so on the calendar, we are going to try and check out Babylon, the latest from uh, Damien Chazé. Ch- Is that how you say his last name? Sure. Sure. And then <laughs> and then uh, we're finally going to ke- catch up with uh, Ryan Johnson's sequel to Knives Out, Glass Onion. That should be good. I still want to see She Said I'm Traveling, so I'm going to try and watch that mm. on my iPad on the plane, as intended. Uh, I know, too, there's a couple of things I wanted to see. Like, Return to Soul is supposed to be fantastic, uh, which I want to see. And After Sun, too, is another film I desperately want to catch up with before we get to kind of uh, our Oscars discussions. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure there's some other things, too. But, uh, yeah. Excellent. I know Bardo's on the list, too. But I think just, I don't know how many three-hour movies in a row, because Babylon's like three hours long, too, I believe. Great. Perfect. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In the meantime, check us out at thefirstrun.com. You can see archives of all the old shows and see our report card and more. Head over to uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess, Matt, that's going to be it for this week, right? All right. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take an extended break. Enjoy your holidays if you celebrate. And we will see you all soon. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over.